Welcome back to the Focus on Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Preston. And I'm Jason. So, Jason, we uh, just wrapped up harvest. A lot of folks are in the process of wrapping up harvest, I should say. What are you seeing out there this year? Yeah, Preston, it's always exciting as harvest comes and see the results of all of our labors throughout the year. And you and I, our roles have changed a little bit. So we're not sitting in a combine this year. We're working on some other things. But um, it's been really exciting to talk to farmers and see how things have gone. And, and where we're sitting here in Illinois, things have looked pretty good, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people are pleasantly surprised here, at least in most of the Midwest. And for listeners out there, I should say, we don't have a guest on today. So me and Jason have a few topics, a few housekeeping objects we wanted to talk about here today. And we figured we would just kick it off with a review of the growing season back in 2022. Yeah, so Preston, as you mentioned, yields have looked pretty good. I just looked up a recent USDA updated yield estimate for this year. And as harvest has begun and the yields have started to come in, overall across the country, USDA dropped the yield estimate by about half a bushel. Nothing major, but a little bit coming in underexpected as a whole across the country. But in Illinois, they actually raised the estimate six bushel. And in the surrounding states, it was pretty flat. But out west, you know, where it was dry throughout the year, yields have come in a little bit lower than expected, a little bit disappointing. But across the Midwest, it's been pretty favorable. Yeah. Here in Illinois, I know a lot of folks were really praying for a rain in June. And when we didn't get that rain, they thought that we were going to be pretty low, have pretty low yields this year. Why do you think we... uh, Why do you think we're surprised now? Do you think that's a testament to genetics? Do you think that's drought resistance? What's the player there? Yeah, Preston, I'd say all the above. And a topic that's near and dear to your heart, I think that, you know, we've made strides in combating rootworms also. So obviously the rootworms feed on the roots and that affects the plant's ability to weather drought too. You you know better than anybody. What what has the rootworm looked like over the course of this year? Yeah, so uh, we've surveyed rootworm pressure, and this is from from me with my bear hat on, obviously, uh, every year since 2014, 2013, and we're definitely seeing an uptick in densities. Um, I've got a map here I'm going to pull up here to give you the exact numbers. So it looks like last year, 38% of the fields, cornfields across the Midwest were above economic threshold, which is two beetles per trap per day. This year in 2022, this growing season, that number jumped up to 53%. So from 38% to 53%, that's a pretty significant jump in our observations. In 2021, 52% of the continuous corn fields sampled were above threshold, and that number jumped up to 74% in 2022. So almost you know three quarters of the corn on corn fields we sampled across the Midwest, think Northern Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, about 74% of those were above threshold. When you look at first year corn, so think about the variant, you know, historically farmers have been able to rotate from soybean to corn. In 2021, 17% of those first year corn fields were above threshold. That number reduced to 10% in 2022. So all in all, definitely seeing an increase in pressure. Um, We definitely want to, you know, encourage folks to go out there and scout to make sure they're getting the right trait on the right acre. Yeah, we're absolutely not not moving in the right direction from a rootworm pressure perspective. And fortunately, the companies are out there working on new traits to try to continue to keep up with this pest. Bayer, for instance, has SmartStacks Pro that was launched this year. 
the listeners can go back and catch episode 66 if they'd like to hear a little bit more about that product and, and just about rootworm in general. Yeah, for sure. While we're speaking about agronomic issues, a lot of folks are you know interested in diseases like tar spot. Any sense of overall tar spot levels looking back on 2022? Comparing 2022 to 2021, you know, 2021, we saw tar spot everywhere. I think every single field I walked through, <laughs> I saw tar spot in, uh, and it wasn't too hard to find. Uh, this year, I, I think I, I wasn't in nearly as many cornfields this year as I've switched my focus a little bit to beans, but the tar spot really was there this year in pretty much every field. It just came in quite a bit later and really flared up later and didn't have the yield impact that it did in mm -hmm. some of the past years. I just walked into the shop out here at the facility and I saw a big pile of corn stalks laying there that were just covered in tar spot. And I thought, what, oh, wow. what's going on here? But looks like it's, it's going to be used for, for a protocol next year, a trial uh, where they're going to be able to spread that on the field and, and get some real good infection early on in the year, hopefully to screen some hybrids for their ability to withstand tar spot infection. Yeah, I know Bear just had an announcement that they've uh, just developed an inoculated assay uh, with repeatable results so that we're able to proactively screen our germplasm against this disease, which I think we're the first in the industry from the Bear perspective to be able to screen germplasm against tar spot. Um, and get hybrid ratings, right? Folks like you will be able to get those those hybrid ratings. So definitely exciting stuff. Um, and I would say if any of the listeners want another deep dive on tar spot, we've had a lot of tar spot specific episodes. For instance, episode 56 was with Matt Helm um, of the USDA, ARS. So a lot of good content and we can leak those for sure in the show notes below. I know Crovillaria was another disease a lot of folks were talking about this year in corn seemed like that was more of a Southern disease. And from my knowledge, it never really flared up to the economically important size or scope, if you will. Every year brings its own unique set of diseases. And uh, one tool that farmers have in their toolbox is fungicides. And uh, those continue to be improved year after year too, with different modes of action and, and even different adjuvants and, and different components of those fungicides that make them a lot more effective than they were even five or 10 years ago. Yeah, it's funny, you know, when I started my role, just my perspective on fungicides and especially even the farmers around me, you know, it just seems more and more farmers are like, if you can work it into the budget, you might as well apply because you're at least going to break even. You're probably going to have, you're probably going to increase yields with a fungicide application, even in a year like 2022, where you don't necessarily have extremely high levels of disease. I think my perspective changed a little bit too, Preston, just like yours over the course of doing a lot of research, uh, looking at fungicides, and and it's not just corn, uh, beans also. In fact, a lot of farmers I talk to see more consistent returns in their beans even than in the corn. So um, there's no doubt that fungicides are an important part of a high yield management system. Absolutely. So that was a quick recap of 2022. Hard to believe we're already sitting here towards the end of October. You know, farmers are really starting to plan for next year's growing season. There's a lot of economic things, a lot of challenges in the just marketplace of, of farming, right, that farmers are dealing with these days. I, you know, I think it'd be good maybe to spend a few minutes talking about those, Jason. What are some of those challenges that, that farmers are, are dealing with? Preston, absolutely. There's no question that uh, there's a lot of things on farmers' minds, just like all of ours. You know, inflation has really been at super high levels over the past year or so. And uh, definitely in the ag sector, that's also the case. So, you know, fertilizer costs have really went 
kind of through the roof. Input costs of all kinds have really increased. And so it, it really makes it so that farmers are, are very interested in, in managing those costs. Fortunately for farmers, the commodity prices have also been fairly strong. So they're able to maintain a satisfactory level of income but that may not be the case. I mean, commodity prices are always very volatile. So if the input prices stay high and the commodity prices come down to earth, it, we could be looking at real problems next year for farmers. So I think there's some really, you know, there's a lot of uh, factors at play there. I don't pretend to understand all the economics of farming. Back in episode 68, we did talk to Paul Mitchell about some of these very topics, how the market forces affect things and how farmers can plan for the future. We also talked to Megan Dwyer from the Illinois Corn Growers about how farmers can manage their fertilizer costs by using some nutrient management strategies. And one thing that, you know, maybe is part of a, of a system to reduce fertilizer inputs over the long term is the use of cover crops and some of these other systems that farmers have taken a look at a little bit more increasingly over the last few years. Yeah. I mean, you've talked a lot about fertilizer costs. I just pulled up the Rabobank data from this past year. And so 2021, last year, fertilizer costs increased 16%. Um, this past year, 2022, prices have increased another 25.13%. So just a wow. tremendous increase in all inputs. I mean, look at the cost of ground, right? That, the, you know, I just heard, read a story the other day on that P Iowa piece that went for $26,000 an acre or, or whatever that was. Um, so definitely challenges, supply chain challenges, as you mentioned. Uh, it just, it's such a hard, a hard environment to predict, you know, the future in an agriculture. You really need to, when it comes to budgets, right? You're predicting, you're, you're paying retail now, you're selling wholesale at the end of the year and who knows where commodity prices are going to be at that point. So uh, our hearts go out to all the farmers, I guess, who are making these decisions now and hopefully in upcoming episodes, we can help provide some tools to help guide them, you know, as they make those decisions. That's really our goal here with the podcast. Thinking of the future, Preston, you know, as we look ahead, there are some things to be concerned about, obviously, that we discussed, but there's also some things to be excited about. And so from your perspective, what is, you know, we always ask our guests, but I'll give you a chance to get out your crystal ball here and, and talk about the future a little bit. What's what's most exciting to you about the future? Yeah. So once again, Jason, I'll put the bear hat on because that's where we work. It's the playground that we live in, but some bear products that are coming out, SmartStacks Pro, commercially available now. It's been my baby for the last 10 years. You know, it's a it works and it works well. There's other traits that are in the pipeline, Rootworm 4. They don't have commercial names yet, but they also are very exciting. You know, we're always battling resistance. Speaking of resistance, on the Bear Investor Tour over the summer, they mentioned the new mode of action from a crop protection standpoint. Uh, don't have a lot of details on that yet, but with the amount of resistant weeds that farmers across the U.S. battle every year, uh, it's exciting to know that there's stuff in the pipeline that may add new tools to the toolbox. So yeah, I would say those are from the product standpoint, those are the most exciting. I'm always excited to see where digital ag's going. You know, we have a lot of guests on that talk about the digital world, but you know, some of these abilities to to sense deficiencies or agronomic issues. I think there's a lot of runway there uh, and a lot of startups that have some neat ideas. And hopefully we can get some of those startups on this year to talk about what they're working on. What about you? Well, I'm glad you didn't mention my personal favorite. You know, the thing I'm really most excited about, and, and I, I feel a little bit hyperbolic when I say it, but it's, it's the short stature corn, you know, and the smart corn system that's being developed. But, you know, when we look at corn that's shorter, 
we're really talking kind of, you know, it is what I say about hyperbole, but I feel like it's kind of green revolution stuff. You know, Norman Borlaug saving a billion people's lives by developing the uh, dwarf wheat varieties, which, you know, we talked about that in episode 42 with Norman Borlaug's granddaughter, Julie. But, you know, when we talk about this corn that's shorter, there's just so many obvious benefits. Farmers are excited about it. I'm excited that I've been able to work with it for the past four or five years and just see what it can really do. And, you know, the, the standability uh, that we see, the ability to get across that crop later in the season. And maybe we talked earlier about nutrient costs and being able to split apply nutrients all the way through the growing season that can help reduce fertilization costs and improve nutrient use efficiency. I mean, some surprising benefits of this. We've seen better silage quality from this short corn. We've seen better root development, which can help also with some of these challenges that we've talked about. So I think it's a very exciting thing, and it really has the potential to completely revolutionize how farming is done in the future, placing maybe more plants on the acre, managing them more intensely, and getting more yield out of each unit of land. For sure. I want you to say short stature corn systems five times super fast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to try it once. Short corn systems. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Jason, I've spent a lot of time with short corn too. Uh, Definitely it's industry changing. It's an evolution of our modern systems um, and really excited to see, you know, how that plays out in the marketplace. Anything else that you're excited about? Yeah, Preston, we, we can't forget about beans. We've spent a lot of time talking about corn here today, but personally, I, I really enjoy working with beans. So I, I want to mention beans here. Beans are my focus. And one big problem that we have in beans is weed control. And so obviously, uh, there's different weed control platforms out there, competing platforms in the marketplace. But having these competing weed control platforms out in the marketplace can pose a little bit of a challenge for farmers, too, as we talked about challenges, because some of these chemicals that they use, they want to be very cognizant of what the herbicide platform is of their neighbor that can affect their decisions, you know, and in, in what varieties it can limit the varieties they have to choose from. So Bayer is developing a platform that will be resistant to all the herbicides that are currently in the marketplace for soybeans. And I think that's pretty exciting too, to really give flexibility to farmers, even more flexibility than they have right now in the weed management programs that they have. Right now it's called the HT4 herbicide tolerant 4. And then there's also HT herbicide tolerant 5 in the pipeline. So exciting products from Bayer, from startups, from other companies, definitely an exciting time to be in the ag industry. So that's a quick recap of 2022. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully, if there's something you want to deep dive in, we referenced a few podcast episodes. We'll try to link those in the show notes below. If you do have any ideas as we enter the winter season and start the 2023 season, feel free to send us a message on Twitter, engage with us there. Uh, we'll include, include our contact below. Appreciate your time. Good luck with the rest of Harvest. Yeah, and and we really encourage you all to leave feedback, leave comments, give us a rating on your favorite podcast service. You know, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, that'll help more people be able to find us. And so we appreciate all the feedback we've gotten over the past year. All right. Take care, everybody. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the program hosts or their employer.